we see so many uh, images through media, um, journalism, uh, you know, of, of trans kids being looking sad and looking unloved. And that is the biggest message that we're seeing um, today. And it's harmful, it's dangerous. I wanted, as a community member, I wanted to tell our story from the inside out and, and know that I can teach through empathy and storytelling and show a story that wasn't being told, which is trans kids are loved. They know exactly who they are. And the most important thing to do is to love these kids and affirm them and let them have a chance at life. Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone and welcome to another episode of Mom to Mom, the podcast. I'm excited today because I have not just one, but two guests with me live in studio. And it's a really important conversation. And I'm so glad that I had two experts here with me to guide me because today we are talking about gender. And it can be a tricky conversation. And it's a conversation that many of us are having at home, maybe even with our kids. And with this topic, it can be a little difficult because you're not really sure where to start or what to say, or maybe your kids will hit you with a question and you don't know how to respond. So I'm so grateful that I have two professionals here in this area to guide us through this conversation. So I'm going to introduce you to Jesse Frieden, who is a photographer and the creator of the Are You OK? Portrait Project, a really special project where he travels around the country taking photographs and interviewing trans and non-binary youth alongside their friends and family to really share their stories of love and power and strength. And so Jesse brings with him this really unique perspective because he has been out in the communities and out in the country and speaking to these families. And then with him is Rebecca Miner, and she is a gender specialist with her own practice offering individual therapy, parent and caregiver coaching and group therapy. So she's got such an interesting perspective as well. So the two have now partnered together to share the stories of the LGBTQ plus youth and offer advice for everyone to become loving, active allies. A very interesting conversation. So without further ado, here it is. so much. It's always so nice to have guests here in studio where we can dive into this conversation. Yeah, happy to be So here. thank you for being here. All right, let's get right to it, Jesse. Tell us about Are You Okay? How it even came to be. Mm -hmm. So I started this project about three years ago. Um, I was really concerned for our community with the, the start of the um, anti-trans legislation uh, getting stronger and stronger and wanted to see if I could tell a compelling story about trans and non-binary youth that were being supported in this country and how powerful that kind of support can be in, in order to educate people about what's happening and the dangers of these laws. And so how does it work? You, I know you've hit the road. Is that how it began? You kind of like go out into the world and find mm. these people and tell, help tell their stories? Yeah, you know, it started with one small test shoot in Albuquerque. I was living in Santa Fe at the time just oh. to see if this project was compelling. Uh -huh. And the very first portrait I did was so powerful. So I started traveling around the country. I photographed 130 kids in more than half the states in the country so far. Um, and, wow. and put a lot of miles on the truck. Yeah. Okay, and then enter Rebecca. Yes. So Rebecca, tell us about the work you do and then how you got involved in Are You Okay? 
Sure. So I'm a gender specialist, which means I work primarily with queer and trans youth in their journey of becoming, and I'm a guide to their parents in affirming it. What that means more simply is I'm a therapist, okay. and I support youth and their families. How did you wind up specializing on gender? Did you know you were going to do that when you were like studying to become a therapist? It was probably started in um, my first days of college, actually. Uh -huh. So um, if I'm dating myself, it was 2007. Um, we're and... not that good at math, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, I'm not worried I'm not. about my age. <laughs> um, so it really started um, when I had the opportunity to read a memoir of a trans person and was exposed to a narrative that was finally more of a full life story that looked much more fruitful and meaningful than the narratives that were in the mainstream media at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it inspired me to really think about what it meant to support people clinically in living authentically mm -hmm. and having the opportunity to be their full selves. So you're working with both kids and parents to help kind of coach them through this process, which I'm sure Correct. can be very difficult to navigate. Yes. So is it usually it is a not for the faint of heart? You? Yeah, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah, um, it is often a parent contacting so it's me. A parent yes. Contacting mm -hmm. you. Okay. So tell us how you guys got together. So I saw one of Jesse's photographs online on Instagram, uh -huh. and I was like, "What is this project?" And I started looking through all the pictures, and I sent a DM. Yeah, um, flipped into the DM. Flipped into the DM. So many good and things. And was start. like, "I want to help you." Um, at the time, Jesse was planning on doing an East Coast trip and wanted to connect with organizations. And so I was like, let me see if I can reach out and use any connections that I have to let them know that, you know, he's here on good terms and yes. isn't mm -hmm. doing something strange or creepy, right. photographing people's children that aren't his. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. explain that a little bit, because here we saw some of the beautiful portraits. Talk about the process, what happens when you go and you meet these families mm -hmm. and when you're on the road. Yeah, so there's a lot of trust building that happens before I even meet these kids. Um, I will let people know through social media, my newsletter, um, where I'm traveling to, and a parent or a kid sometimes will contact me they'll get a lot of information about the project, the pros and cons of doing a public project. Um, and they know that this is art is activism. It's a way for them to create social change. So by the time they show up, they are excited to meet me, excited to tell their story. Mm -hmm. The parents are there and everyone knows that we are doing this to create change and putting ourselves at risk. Yeah. And it's really powerful. Because it is tough as a parent right now, even when you consider social media and putting your child out there. Yes. You know, it's it's such a it's a choice that you need to make. Do I want to put their footprint out there? What do I want that to be? Yes. So this is, I'm sure, there's a lot of thought that goes into yes. this for these families before they. For some of them, it's probably an announcement of sorts mm. too. There, there's many conversations that I think the parents and kids have together, um, but certainly the education I give these kids about, you know, once something's out in the world, it's hard to take it away. But the kids know that they are doing this to create change, to help protect other trans kids. Yeah, yes. and it's powerful, and this is activism for them. So what have you learned? I mean, talking to all, I mean, it's your work, it's your, I mean, when you've been out in, in the world, like what are some of the things that you've taken from this? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Um, uh, there's been so many things that I've learned, but the one thing I think that I, I like to share is that I've been to you know, small towns like Chattanooga, Tennessee, big cities like Chicago and Boston. I've been all around the country. And the kids and parents all say the same thing, which is that they're scared that these 
seeing these laws as anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ laws in their state or elsewhere is making, it, they're, they're worried and they're scared for their future. They don't know what, where they'll be that's safe, but that they know that by telling their story, they're gonna help create change, educate lawmakers, educate parents. And, mm -hmm. um, and they're strong and they're full of joy and hope and that they're not yeah. gonna disappear. And that's incredible. And your work really focuses more on the positive side of things when there are so many challenges, obviously. Like you said, what are some of the things that, are you seeing some of that same feeling in the work that you're doing with families, fear? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think as a therapist, I, I hold that space regularly. Um, and that's, that's a big portion of how we sometimes have to spend time in session and educating parents because sometimes that's the thing that gets in the way of them really being able to show up mm -hmm. is that they're afraid. Um, it's not that they don't love their kid or they don't want this for them, but they're yeah. scared. Um, they're worried it'll be a harder life or they're, you know, they're worried about how this will impact their future. Um, but I also have the opportunity to see the really joyous moments yeah. and the moments when we see gender affirming care really work. And you can be afraid and be supportive. All at the same time. All at the same time, Absolutely. Right? Both of these things can be true. Right. Yeah, so you're dealing with parents, you know, sometimes from the very beginning who are coming to you and saying, so my child is saying they aren't feeling the gender that they were born mm -hmm. and what do I do? And, and are they comfortable to say like, I don't want this. Yes. I don't want this for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually something that I bring to the table is, is the space and, and safety for them to say that, all of that, right? Like it's okay for you to name that here. Um, Cause so often parents are like, I wanna be supportive. I wanna do the right thing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm liberal, I'm cool about this stuff. And it's like, it doesn't matter what your belief systems are, or your values, like you can be afraid um, and you can express concern yeah. and you can do the work work with someone like me and then still show up with your kids. Because I, yeah. I think it's change. Change yeah. is scary and for everybody, like on every level. And I think that that's a huge part of it too. Absolutely. It's just change. So why was it so important for you with all of the fear that goes on here um, and that trans youth face and queer youth face to focus on these like really positive moments of strength mm -hmm. for these kids? Yeah, I think we see so many uh, images through media, um, journalism, uh, you know, of, of trans kids being looking sad and looking unloved. And that is the biggest message that we're seeing um, today. And it's harmful, it's dangerous. I wanted, as a community member, I wanted to tell our story from the inside out mm -hmm. and, and know that I can teach through empathy and storytelling and show a story that wasn't being told, which is trans kids are loved. They know exactly who they are. And the most important thing to do is to love these kids and affirm them and let them have a chance at life. Um, and, and that's the most powerful teaching tool, I think. Very powerful. Are you looking for your summer guide to adventures in Boston, the perfect recipes for your family, or exclusive interviews with your favorite celebrities? Well, you can get all of that in one place in your inbox with the Hubbub newsletter. To sign up, all you have to do is go to NBC10Boston.com newsletters, drop your email, and you'll be in the know.
now we're going to talk about how to have some of these conversations about gender at home. As a parent, I've already had to explore conversations like this because, because of life, right? Um, and of course, conversations that I feel like are difficult to have always happen when I have 175,000 things going on. <laughs> and then they hit me with like, <laughs> this big one and I'm a, I always want to say something so perfect and profound and like and so I never have it <laughs> is the, the point so since we have some professionals here someone who's been out and experienced you know some of what these families have been going through and someone who literally coaches parents and families who are exploring gender and you know going through all that um where do we begin and what can you put in your toolbox for us just to be good allies or beyond so having those age-appropriate conversations, I think people get really nervous, right? And like you said, you want to say the perfect thing. Mm -hmm. More importantly, it's saying something at all, right? When we don't talk about it, it gives kids the message that this isn't something that's okay to come to me about. Mm. So it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't need to know all the right language. There's a lot of language to keep track of. Right. Uh, but the reality is we all have gender. This doesn't have to be about kids who are trans, right? These are conversations that should be happening in every home. Um, and they can be age appropriate depending on the age of your child that can be as simple as like, do you want to wear this or that? Do you like wearing a dress? Do you want to get a haircut? Um, and it doesn't need to be this big philosophical question about right. the meaning of gender. That's just being humane. You know, sometimes I think we don't let kids make enough of their own decisions. Absolutely. You know, like, with the clothing and stuff, I'm like, wear whatever you want. Right. For basically, because I don't have the bandwidth to, ha to have <laughs> a fight about every single thing. Of but course. to let them explore that, for sure. Exploration and choice. Not put too much into any of these things, right? Like, yes. You want to play that? Play that. You want to dress like that? Dress like that. All right, let's take it a step further, though. What if a child does come to you and say, like, no, I really do feel like I don't belong in this body? Is that when a parent comes to you? Yes. And says, help us, help us find our way to what we need to do next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the key there is to listen to your kid, mm -hmm. right? You don't need to jump into action and make major changes in the moment, right? I think that's the other thing that people get freaked out. They're like, do we need to hire some a, a new therapist? Do we need to go to the hospital? Do we need to do these things? No. Right. Maybe get a new outfit, maybe right. change haircut, maybe say, hey, do you want, like, do you like the name that we call you at home? Do you want to try using a different pronoun? And that doesn't need to be a huge deal. It doesn't need, you don't need a big public announcement. It can just be it an exploration. doesn't have to be a family newsletter. No, Like this can no. just be something that is not so heavy. It's just something. Because, you yeah. know, a lot of people say, oh, maybe it is a phase. And right. do you find that kids do have phases? I mean, that's possible, right? Anything's possible. Right. Right. The reality is most often kids are able to identify their gender by age three. Wow. And we have research that supports that. Um, but really what it comes down to is listening to your kid. To roll with whatever phase they're in yeah. at that time. Right? Like if, if that's yeah. who they are right now, yeah. like if they're like, they only want to eat pasta for a while, fine. That's what they're into. <laughs> right? Or like if they want to dress up or wear... Or only eat orange things. <laughs> sure. Okay. Right? Right? I or mean... they want to wear a dress to preschool every day, even though it's not really practical or whatever. Yeah. Like if that's what you want to wear at nap time, rock on. Be we yourself. We went through the um, bell phase. Yes. With my daughter where she dressed in the yellow bell dress and like a little bit of um, like a cape. Mm -hmm. And so after the bell dress was disintegrating, yes. I was like, perhaps we can just wear regular clothes, but you can continue to wear the cape. 
a beautiful accommodation. Yeah. Yes. A yellow yes. cape that right. got smaller and smaller as she grew. It was the cutest Absolutely. thing right. ever, ever, ever. But it didn't need to be this big, like, big thing. loaded thing. Right. Right. Um, so for you with the families that you're seeing, I mean, obviously it's great if mom and dad are supportive and the, you know, the whole gang is supportive, but, um, have you seen the struggle there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think for any family whose kid is exploring gender, um, in a way that they weren't expecting, there's going to be a, a process of educating themselves, whether it's um, you know, two lesbian moms raising a trans kid or two cisgendered straight parents. Everyone has to learn. Um, and, you know, the most important thing is that parents love your kid. I've heard so many parents across the country say, just love your kid. That's where you start. Yes, there's going to be gendered clothes in the world. We are all, we live in a gendered world, a binary gendered world. But you just love your kid, educate yourself. And, you know, that's the most important thing to do. I've heard um, parents of trans kids say that it's a little bit of a mourning process, mm -hmm. which got, has got to be really difficult because you're kind of saying goodbye to what you thought. And, I mean, obviously the child is exactly the same. But for the parent, there's something that goes on there that's probably very difficult. Absolutely. That I think... Every parent's experience of this is a little bit different, but that is often reported. And it's exactly why it's important to work with someone like me or a professional who can hold space for that so that that grieving process also isn't put on your child, mm -hmm. right? Because your kid is finally getting the confidence and wherewithal to say, this is who I am. You don't want to be like, oh no, like that's so hard for me. What about me, me. right? Yeah, how's this um, about me? Right. And it, it is true. Parents do experience that. And I'll say, especially parents who were the birthing parent tend to have, you know, a long term idea of who their kid was going to be. Um, and some of this shifts that. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that, you know, your kid isn't still your kid and they right. can't have the life that you imagined. It might just look a little different. Right. It's the life they imagined. Exactly. exactly. Which is what we're here for. It, it's right. your, your kid is not you. Your kid is an, an individual. I think the mourning narrative is harmful, to be honest. No one's dying. Your, your kid, they will live a long, healthy life if you affirm them. The mourning is going to happen when you don't affirm your kid and you reject that kid. That's when parents are putting their kids in danger. Yeah, because so. it's the same person. It's the same human. You just love your child. When you yeah. decide to become a parent, you honor that forever. What about the conversation that many parents are having right now where a child comes home from school and someone that they've been hanging with all this time is now starting to make some changes? What's some healthy conversations that we can have with them about that? I'm so glad you asked that because so often parents are like, well, we don't really need to worry about that because it's not happening with our kid or in our house. But the reality is if your kid is out in the world, mm -hmm. they're going to interact with someone who's exploring their gender. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it can be a conversation of like, oh, so your friend so-and-so is using a different name now. And what do you make of that? Or like, is that confusing for you? And yes. just ask open-ended questions and see what kids come up with. I love what you did there. Yeah. Because this is what a lot of the therapists and psychologists that I talk to on this show do. It buys us time, my friends and parents. Oh, yeah. Get a feel for where your child is. And I still continue to make this mistake, even though I've learned this. <laughs> um, 
feel them out mm -hmm. so you can meet them where they are instead of trying to do this like giant, mm -hmm. which I tend to do, yeah. you know, I want to be profound. Of course. Um, like, yeah, what do you think about that? And right. it just, it buys you time too, right. so you can figure out what you're going to say next. Mm -hmm. And you're just going to listen to your kids also. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not a They're therapist. They're so much smarter than us on this stuff. Like, come on. Exactly. Yeah. They, and that's what so many of these parents say is just listen to your kids. They'll yeah. tell you what they need. They'll tell you where they're at. You know, and it's your job or it's our, our job as parents and, and friends and, you know, people in their lives to sort of help support them along their way, knowing it's going to be a bumpy ride, possibly. But that's that's life. You know, things can be kind of tricky sometimes. Yeah. And I think this younger generation, they're just they're just so adaptable. They're so cool. They go mm -hmm. with the flow. I mean, from what I see with my children, just about so many different things, um, nothing ruffles their feathers. They're just like, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's often our mistake to assume that to it assume needs it to be a big thing, exactly. right? Yeah. That it's like, oh no, now their little friend is wearing dresses at school. We need to process that. And yeah. It's like, no, we don't. They're just like, oh, let's go play on the playground. Yeah. Exactly. It's that simple. My daughter just came to me with like her first uh, friend argument. Mm, and I was mm -hmm. like, okay, here it is. Okay. <laughs> I knew this was coming. Right. You know? And uh, so she's telling me the whole thing. And in my head, I'm like, okay. And then I do this whole thing. And she was like, I don't need a pep talk. I just <laughs> wanted to tell you. Oh, there we go again right. with my TED Talks. Yes. Yeah. She's like, that's nice, Mom. Save it for the office. So again, um. back to what you're saying is listen to the children. Let, just be a good listener. Let them do the talking, and they can tell you what's going on at school, what's going on with them. I think that's, that's great advice. may be almost out for summer, but the stations of NBC and Telemundo Boston are committed to supporting our educators year-round. To learn how you can support your local schools, teachers, and students, go online to NBC10Boston.com slash supporting our schools. I just really appreciate this whole conversation because these can be difficult to have, you know, there is a fear like, oh, I'm going to say the wrong thing or I'm going to use the wrong pronoun or, you know, so I think a lot of people don't have these conversations and that's not productive. So it's better to jump into something, right? And, and say the wrong thing than not say anything at all. Would you agree on Absolutely. that? Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. All right, you're so doing great. I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> so how can we be active allies? Mm -hmm. Let's finish with that. Yeah. Well, um, I think the most important thing is to simply show up and let the trans and non-binary kids and adults in your life know that you have their back no matter what and that you love them. And for me, that is the most important allyship uh, tip that I can give. And you do that through telling them, mm -hmm. showing them, Yes, telling them, showing, showing them. You know, Rebecca will talk about the pronoun pins that we have. Yes. Um, sharing your pronouns in your email signature, uh, putting a little, you know, pride sticker on your, um, on, on the door of your office. It's not about you. It's about, you know, uh, visibly, publicly showing that you are concerned about the queer community. I like that. Yeah. How would you answer and for that? young people, it lets them know that perhaps you're a safe person to talk to about these things. So Jesse and I both have pronoun pins on today that are created by an LGBTQ owned business. Hmm. Um, and just like when we first met, you were like, oh, great. Now I know your Perfect. pronouns, right? Yeah. Ta-da, it's right here. Yeah. Um, and so even if you aren't trans, right? And that's the mistake often people make is like, well, I'm not part of the LGBTQ community. People will think I am. So, people right. get confused. Right. And God forbid, right? Right. Um, exactly. <laughs> but like the reality is, most of us use pronouns. Yeah. Um, and so again, just like gender, it doesn't need to be this like big special thing. It's 
just a shared experience. Um, and so we can communicate by saying, here are our pronouns. So be kind, yeah, and, and supportive. And, yeah. and like you said, don't, don't be ashamed to show your support for a community under attack. Mm. Just because you have a pronoun pin or share your pronouns doesn't mean that you're queer or trans. But if you have shame to be a supporter, then that's a problem you need to look at. And you were mm -hmm. saying it just takes one person truly to make a huge difference. Exactly, right? So we often get fixated on what is a very real and very scary reality, which is that trans youth suicide rates are four times the national average. However, what we don't talk about enough is that it takes one person, and that can be a parent, a coach, a neighbor, whomever, doesn't matter your role, that number drops by 40%. Right, so you could be that person. Yeah. That makes the hair on my arms stand up. It's powerful and it's it easy. Is powerful. And it's it's something that we all should should do. Wow. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you both thank so you. much for having this conversation and for the work that you're doing. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of mom to mom the podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, you can find us wherever you find your podcast and you can binge on all of them. They're all there for you. And if you happen to be in the New England area, mom to mom is on television on Mondays at 1130 a.m. on NBC 10 Boston. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining me today. And I'll catch you next time right here on mom to mom.